Hello, Cinefans. I'm Kendall Krufer, and this is Watching Classic Movies. Fashion Instagrammer and actress Rachel Boyce lives her love of 60s and 1700s fashion. While we tend to refer to previous decades when talking about fashion trends, Rachel looks back centuries when sharing her extensive knowledge about how past looks influence the present. We talked about how many years of different styles found their way into the cultural explosion of the 60s, and how that was reflected in the wide variety of films made in that decade. Welcome back to the show, Rachel. I'm so happy to see you again. Hi, it's good to see you too. I felt like we had some unfinished business after our last talk. We, we had talked so much about different decades in film and different fashions, and I thought, well, this is a bigger conversation to have. And I know that one of the decades that really influences your style is the 60s. And um, like we've talked about, it's a very vibrant decade, a decade of a lot of change where there were just a ton of influences influencing fashion. And one of the things that really interested me about what you said was that, um, well, people often talk about Breakfast at Tiffany's and Audrey Hepburn's style being timeless and, and important. It's very fashion forward actually at the time mm -hmm. right all of the other female characters in that movie look like they could be from the late 1950s but she's wearing something that could have been worn three to four years later you know that you could have worn that worn most of that clip to a cocktail party in 1965 you know the big hairstyles dark eyeliner and pale lipstick and the sort of minimalistic straight shapes and the kind of details that were used was very much where fashion was headed. We talk about how timeless it is now, but not how fashion forward it was at the time and what a smart choice it was for that character to sort of like demonstrate her youthfulness even before we found out how old she was. Yeah, sort yeah. of rebelliousness almost. Right, yes. Yeah, like like we think of rebelliousness in the 60s, you know, it's it's often like hippies and and people and college students protesting for that there were beatniks right that was late 50s earlier in the 60s so it was a kind of thing that was running through the climate of the whole mid-20th century yeah so going forward from breakfast at tiffany's what other films of the era inspire you when you think about fashion well you know inspiring me me in particular i was <laughs> always more inspired by when I would watch films as a child, like the things that demonstrated the crazy high fashion of the 60s. But when I started doing research on the films that influenced fashion at the time, I found this thread that it wasn't films that were set in that era. It was films set in the past that had the biggest influence on what people wore at the time. Yeah. So yeah. like, you would have like one of the biggest ones that we don't, well, I mean, some people have talked about it, but you don't hear it brought up as much anymore as you used to is um, Cleopatra. Yes. Um, not only the costumes in it, like the metallic, all the metallics and the column dresses and things like that, but like Elizabeth Taylor's eye makeup, which she did herself, which right. was inspired by the makeup that actual wealthy ancient Egyptians wore. Of course, it was not historically accurate. She added some things in there. But like, you know, when we think about 60s eye makeup and those socket lines yeah, um, and all of those bold colors and drawing on your eyelashes and stuff was inspired by 
Elizabeth Taylor's eye makeup in Cleopatra. And I think it's interesting is because all of that has come back around again. Like right. I, I don't, people who don't know me and don't follow me, I dress head to toe in vintage 1960s clothing every day. And I've had people talk about, well, your eye makeup isn't vintage, isn't, is it that looks very like really? that? Like, no, this is, people were doing this in the 60s. Like all, you know, all the different, the zigzag lines, all that stuff that was being done in the mid 1960s in particular. I surprised people wouldn't know that, but well, well, but, but you, you do know, see it everywhere. I, but you do, yeah. And yeah. it's, um, well, I think and a lot of it is um, younger people too who don't have the reference. And I often forget that because I've been interested in all of this stuff since I was like 12. So I forget yeah. that, oh, you're not yeah, same. <laughs> on fashion history in your bedroom. Right. But like, like oh, I was an inside child. I forgot about. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're doing what everybody else does on TikTok and you don't know that it's not new. Right. But so you think about how much influence that just that eye makeup alone had and still has like it. Uh, that movie brought bangs, blunt bangs back into fashion. And we associate that with the 60s as well. So highly influential. Just... And the cool thing about it, too, is that a lot of people who were influenced by it stylistically didn't even watch the movie. It was just all the gossip that was going around about it, seeing images from it and promotional images for it. It was just so much of a thing that you you wouldn't even have had to have watched it to go, I think I'm going to put on a lot of eyeliner today. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it, but you really didn't see it quite like that before. I mean... Right. And the what other people who use a strong cat eye like Sophia Loren, it's really later that you see that on her. It's right, not her right, early right, career. Right, right. There was there was a cat eye look going on in high fashion in the late fifties, but it wasn't it didn't have like the stuff you do underneath the eye and all of the liner on top and stuff like that. That was that pseudo ancient Egyptian influence from Cleopatra. Also, people, you know, futurism was a huge influence on 60s fashion with the space age look and people often attribute all of the metallic, the use of metallic solely to that. But so much like gold was extremely popular, like big, bold gold metallic details on dresses and jewelry and a lot of it had ancient influences, like the stuff that Goosens used to do for like Chanel jewelry. It was inspired by his look, inspired by the things that he looked at in museums and stuff. But it got really popular even years after he started doing it because of the influence of Cleopatra and like the ancient influence in jewelry and stuff like that. The big, bold statement stuff. I never thought about that. I never made that connection. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely like when I think about... Well, yeah, that gold and silver and the, and like you say, the space age style, I think of it as being pop 60s pop art, like like stuff like Ursula Andress and the 10th Victim. That was you know? part of it, but it, they, yeah. they forget about how the, fir the first wave of metallic in yeah. fashion was metallic gold and then uh, and then the and then it mixed in with the futurism. And if you look at interior design in the 60s, you would have. Like I have in my apartment here, like a space age candle holder. And you would have space age candle wall sconces you would put on your wall. So it was this sort of ancient idea of putting candles on your wall, but it looked <laughs> like part of an airplane. So it was this mishmash of like ancient ideas about lighting and also futurism it's like i'm thinking about the person who was designing that like what type of 
candle holder would they use if we lived in space, which is an odd <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting. I mean, this is this is what I why I love talking to you because you are always making connection to the past, like not decades, centuries. And it's well, just interesting how it just recycles and recycles and just refines. Oh yeah, people and don't evolves. How uh, everything is recycled. The main influence of fashion in the 1960s was the 1920s. Like there are dresses from the 60s that look like they could be from the 20s if you don't open them up and look inside of them. The hemlines are just shorter. And a whole lot of the ideas that we have now about what 20s fashion looked like yeah. wasn't actually 20s fashion. It was 20s fashion filtered through the 60s. Now, is this, does this show up in any films? I'm trying to think. Yes, it does. But I'm thinking of like two or three different ones now and getting them confused uh, I want to think like thoroughly modern Millie, maybe. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but like fringe wasn't like the machine fringe. That wasn't yeah. really around in 20s fashion as much as we imagine that it was. You never see it in a picture. It's no, true. No, I mean, there there was some fringe, but it was used sparingly because it had yeah. to be handmade and it was on these really expensive couture gowns. It wasn't on like the stuff that actual flappers were wearing most of the time they had many different slits cut into skirts and like beading that kind of looked like fringe but there was yeah. not as much fringe used as we think there was yeah um, right because the 60s and the hemlines in the 1920s went down past the knee yeah which they were modest what, yeah which was shorter than they had ever been before and was somewhat scandalous at the time mm -hmm. but they were not as short as we think they are now some of the things that people wear as costumes those lengths did kind of exist but they were mostly like on dancers and chorus lines and performers they weren't on actual people yeah yeah right. that makes sense it's costume right 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 she's meant to look half naked yeah right? yeah that's the show that's the yeah. show so I, uh, I I love how you translate your love of this era and 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 of your film film stars and creating your own outfits to emulate it. I guess the one I really think about is Barbarella. I feel like we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. And you know, you in television, you did I Dream of Jeannie. Like, do you have any other looks that you are looking to emulate? I want to do, um, I want to do several different things. Like I want to do, you want to go back to television. I want to do Daphne from Scooby-Doo. Ah, But do yes. it historically accurate because people don't, like you see people try to replicate that and they'll make it like out of a stretchy skin tight polyester thing. And I'm like, no kid, that was a sweater dress. Yeah. Maybe even a sweater set. Give me uh, structure. A skirt that had, uh, you know, like a trim at the bottom. And yeah. what's being covered up by her scarf is not a scoop neck. It is probably a mock turtleneck in that same lavender color because there are so many dresses from the late 1960s that have that exact same right. sweater dresses that have that exact same configuration and silhouette. They're just in different colors. Well, and what's interesting yeah. is that the Daphne's outfit was actually slightly dated by the time the show premiered. It premiered in September of 1969, but her dress would have been very trendy in 1967, like the colors and everything. So it was slightly not 
up to the minute fashion, I guess, because it, they had that yeah. sort of kind of look planned for her earlier. But it is a very 1967 outfit for fall of 1969. Still would have been fashionable, but not quite as cutting edge trendy. Okay, so you're doing as- Daphne. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think of that even as a kid watching that. I didn't think of that as up to date. It, it all felt very retro to me, even though I didn't have that word, you know, to mm-hmm. use yet. Right, okay. right, right. Um, so right, I want to do that. And in terms of like film costumes, yeah, there's like I want to do. I've like I've already done. We're going back to all the Audrey Hepburn references. I've done Holly Golightly from Breakfast at Tiffany's again. People forget when they think about those costumes, like, oh, that's an Audrey Hepburn costume. No, it is Holly Golightly as Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. She was playing a character. Yeah, yeah. So you're in that costume. You are Holly Golightly. You are not, you know, you're not Audrey Hepburn. But anyway, um, I want to do uh, Eliza Doolittle, but I want to do the hard one. I want to do the gown from the Embassy Ball. Everyone does the Ascot outfit. And I want to do like that beaded dress with the inappropriately 1960s hairdo. Yes. Like, it's supposed to be turn of the 20th century, but everyone had extremely 60s hair and makeup. In that I film. mean, yeah, <laughs> you just come to expect it. But no, that's actually yeah. underappreciated as a fashion movie, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. The beaten costumes were amazing in that movie and less historically inaccurate than a whole lot of other period films from the 60s like the actual pieces themselves like the costumes themselves were relatively accurate yeah. um in ter- at least in terms of silhouette but the hair and makeup was just so not but it's such a great way like I like the choices especially for like the hairdos and the embassy ball scene because they you could, they tried to do because like big hair was a thing in the Edwardian era like you've seen those big Gibson girl hairstyles but yeah. they just chose an entirely different shape of volume but tried to make it look vintagey by oh, putting right. more curls in it it was like, like this kind of soft little poof it was this up right pulled yeah pulled back (laughs) from your head uh with the volume all in sort of like a pseudo bun shape that was obviously like that hairpiece look or pseudo hairpiece look that was in in the 60s it was all just very mid-20th century sensibilities but yes I want to do that's the look I want to do it's it's beautiful and it's but it's hard all that beating and getting that festooned necklace that's the right shape if anyone um, can do it <laughs> like and people were talking about how detail you know it's like and me it's it gets so hard because I'm like about details like with the whole we were talking about Daphne earlier I found a pair of shoes recently vintage shoes that will might work for her look but I was upset because the toe shape and the heel height was slightly off yeah um I did, uh, in terms of, like, movies that are set in the 60s, but not from the 60s, I did Felicity Shagwell from Austin Powers right. last Halloween. Yeah, that was and a good one. I was, I was like, I, I did the crocheted dress, and everyone was like, you know, oh, it looks perfect. I'm like, no, actually, it's not. The ratio of the torso from the bra portion to the skirt portion is off. Uh, like, you know, it's... Everything has to be exactly yeah. the right shape and exactly the right color. It's speaking to my Virgo soul, so I can't complain. Yeah. yeah. No, it mm-hmm. feels great to get it just right, though. Right, and I mean, yeah. I, I feel like you're out there a lot of the time 
steering people right on the history of this stuff too. Like you were talking right. about the eyeliner, you know. Right, exactly. And like the whole thing, I well, I had that same discussion when I did the talking about like makeup and hair are the things that they will often compromise on to make stuff look modern. When I was doing the the look for Austin Powers for the spy who shagged me, I noted that like the makeup that they put Heather Graham in as Felicity Shagwell in that scene is 90s makeup. It is not 60s makeup. Yeah. Uh, they should have they should have put her in pretty much the exact type of eye makeup that Sharon Tate wore. I was going to say, that would have been perfect. Right, that would have been perfect for her character, for the year that it was set in. Yeah. So it would have looked great on her because she's got big doe eyes and they just, they just missed an opportunity there completely. An idea at the time that mm. or for a long time not just then but for a long time that people would find that distracting really yes that they would like like say stuff like her eye makeup looks weird why so there was an idea for a long time that it would take people out of the film which that's it's going to do that exact opposite thing and also sort of this concurrent idea that like you want people to think that this person looks attractive so put them oh, in what attracts yes. to people now by current so standards, that makes sense. To, so they will want to look like this person. But no, no, like they, they did research. Dina Atfeld, who was the co like costume designer, uh, she did a whole lot of wonderful research. And so like people knew what people's faces were supposed to look like and just decide, actively decided not to. Same thing <sighs> with like My Fair Lady, probably in the 60s. There were yeah. decisions made because they wanted people to like the way that it looked. It definitely would feel very different if they'd done it accurate. I mean, right. I think I would have liked beautiful. it, but yeah, yeah. Equally beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, right. No, it I could, it would really change the whole tone of it if I really think about a hairstyle like you were talking about, a Gibson girl. That is really interesting. Right. And Audrey would have looked gorgeous in it. I mean, if you want to talk about like, you know. I mean, yeah, if she could have taken it. away, it wouldn't have, it would not have taken away from how beautiful everything looked, how beautiful those scenes looked. It would have complimented the costumes even more. She certainly had um, the face for right. any era. Right. Timeless beauty. Right. But yeah, so, but no, it, it's always an active, was always an active decision that was made. I feel um, like it, it's, she's been talked about so much, but she does continue to inspire me. I mean, th there's looks from How to Steal a Million that, Right. You know, I still, it'll just pop in my mind, you know? Oh, yeah. The she, black lace. Um, just... Well, she had a, and it was, well, I mean, it, it was not just her, but her, her particular body, like people will attribute, she and Twiggy, they will, it depends on who you're talking to, they will attribute it to either her or Twiggy of like the change in the fashionable body type between the 50s and the 60s from sort of the gammon build from the hourglass shape that was there earlier of that boyish shape, yes. which I don't, it's like the chicken and egg argument. I think it was just something in the air, you know, I, right. Like, I don't think it was one person, but I think also the reason part of that has to do with she had the right figure for that fashion of that moment. And yeah. she had a relationship with a designer who knew how to dress her and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I do see it as a lot of elements coming together. Right, like right, she right. met no, the right designer, like, you know? It wasn't special. She yeah. was. We just yeah. don't, like, she, you know, she could have been a, she could have been a model separate from being in that, like, she 
you know, she had a very unique look, but she she was special. But we often, because again, the image on the screen is so powerful. It's the same reason that we think about that little black dress and cigarette holder and we go, oh, that's Audrey Hepburn. It's because you attribute it to who you're seeing and you're not stepping out from it and seeing the wider picture. Right. And I mean, her own style was very simple, but right, yeah, it was very not, simple, elegant, but it's but it's not this crafted image. No, I, I agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. So there's one mm-hmm. movie that's been coming across my TikTok feed a lot lately that it hadn't occurred to me that it was was like a fashion movie. But have you seen um, What a Way to Go with um, Shirley MacLaine? Yes, it's been a long time, though. But yes, I, I don't I still don't really know what I think about the movie, but it's just a stunning array of costumes. It's And the thing about it that got me was that monochrome mm-hmm. is a very easy way to stand out, to be distinctive, maybe rebellious if it's a certain color. You know what I right. mean? Right. And it was such a thing in the 60s, too, largely because of op art and pop art, right? Like black and white, especially, well, I represent my apartment. Yeah, yeah, um, yes. But like sort of... And it, so so monochrome was a huge fashion idea at the time because of artworks by people like Victor Varsarly and stuff like that. And um, Bridget Riley with the checkerboards and the dots where everything would be in either one color or two colors and different shades, things like that. And so it was just fashion designers taking that op art, not pop art, op art movement and reinterpreting it into fashion. That makes so much sense because... In previous decades, you had seen the monochrome thing, but it wasn't as bold because you'd have like a different texture on the bodice or the skirt. It, right, so it'd right. be the same color, but it wouldn't be that dramatic sheath kind of. You right, know. right, right. And like you would have in the 60s, you had designers doing things like not only making the clothes and the tights and the shoes match, but you would put them in a pink wig or a feathered hat, even make like their hair neon pink. Yeah. And they did do that in the movie. Like she she was all pink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I loved about it. But Mm -hmm. it also makes me think of like um, Dora's day in Do Not Disturb. There's a scene Mm -hmm. where she wears, you know what I'm talking about? The orange sequin dress. Mm -hmm. Orange glitter. It's like head... It's like neck to toe, mm-hmm. covering her up. But sure, it's I mean, so that, risque that, looking. <laughs> they make everything like, and that was part of the whole monochrome thing. Because think about how like cat suits, yeah, oh yeah, sixties and like skin tight turtleneck dresses. It was being naked without being naked, like the crocheted dresses too. Right. Where you would often like the, it would be see through, but you could make the choice to wear a nude slip underneath it to where you weren't actually naked. There was a whole people wanted to be risque, but because it was still the mid 20th century, like especially if it was going to be on film, people found ways around it. That um, makes so much sense. Because when she when she turns around in the like Doris State in the orange sequin dress. Right. Yeah. Like around that, and there's that low back. It's like, right. oh, can, it's the like, same color as her skin, practically. Yeah, but, yeah, we can't we can't take her clothes off, but let's do this instead, yeah. I really didn't see that because it's orange, and she's not orange, but right. there's, a, there's a certain hue, there's a certain right, sameness right, right. to it, nevertheless. An example of, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like an illusion dress, even though she's mm-hmm. coated in sequins. 
right. And I mean, we'll think about like, there's so much, like you could take that all the way back to Marilyn Monroe's infamous uh, happy birthday, Mr. President dress. Like yes. that's through the whole entire decade. There was stuff like that of like, she's naked, but is she, or is she not? How much of her are you actually seeing? And then you're like, you think you're seeing all of her. And then after you're like, wait, how much of her did I actually see? Was that sheer or was that not? The yeah. fun thing was I didn't know. Right. <laughs> like, should I be shocked? I don't even know anymore. I don't know what to think. It's right, just like, right, look this right. way, look they, that they way. Wanted, yeah. They wanted that feeling of shocking people, but it's fine. So did that, you don't really see it after the 60s. Is that because it was just unnecessary and everything changed? And it, it was... well, well, everything became more like in the 70s, like movies pretty much became softcore porn because yeah. porn, I mean, seriously, like, there's not um, the same restrictions, you could say. Yeah. Right, right. You you could show there were women actually being topless in movies more often. I mean, you had that in the 60s, but it was in like foreign films. In American movies, you started to see more actual nudity. So yes, it got to the point where it was unnecessary because of the porno chic movement. Well, you know, right. maybe this is why I really love this era. I mean, just, just from an aesthetic standpoint, even isolating that, is because everybody's trying all these things but there's still a little bit of that restraint and not just restraint but restrictions and dealing with that and there's creativity in that that makes me almost think of like pre-code films right and there's a youth yes exactly again going back to the turn of the century 1920s influence on fashion at the time stuff like that yeah yeah <laughs> Um, oh my god we all want to be flappers but now we want to be flappers on it um. <laughs> it's i mean okay when you think about something like the boyfriend uh-huh it all comes together that was deliberate reference because of how cool the 20s were at the time yeah it's all very got... deliberate and calculated let's just make her a flapper no that yeah that was not a mistake like the people have like let's put twiggy in 20s photos, 20s situations, 20s scenarios was an was a long-standing idea. It's just since funny. Then she first got popular. And it's just interesting because it's like, so I'm really thinking about 60s fashion films. I really am thinking something like that. And I or really like Bonnie, I agree with, Bonnie and I, Clyde, like, yeah. Yes. And like <laughs> I I do agree with you about Cleopatra. I see <laughs> it. And <laughs> then something like Tom Jones. I mean right, exactly. It's Where, way more diverse than you would think. Right, exactly, exactly. And like, I often tell people, like, you want to know what my it is, watch Tom Jones, because it, if I, I, if I, again, people who don't follow me on social media, if I am not dressed like it's 1966, I'm dressed like it's 1776. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, a psychedelic romp through the Rococo era is very much what is Rachel Boyce doing now. Yeah, I mean, that connection, there's got to be a book, a documentary. Somebody's got to do something about this someday. Right, like, and how it was all about revolution in the 60s and all about revolution in the 1770s, 1760s, and we all wanted to wear big hair and big earrings in both eras, and people don't realize either that yeah. this whole thing about showing your body and being libertine about stuff, those low necklines that women wore in the 1700s a lot of them actually showed nipples and purposefully showed boobs. Yeah. A lot of those fashion sketches. So, some of the sketches yeah, have a lot of the surprised yeah. me, yes. Again, what I'm going to say, a lot of the fashion sketches from the 1700s were updated in the 19th century 
to cover the breasts, but the original French sketches showed nipples. A lot of American women would occasionally take a fiku or a kerchief and cover their breasts with that and tuck it in on those necklines. But French women at parties would just leave their boobs out. Like, I mean, you um, wouldn't see that now. It's- yeah, exactly. I, I'm frankly, as somebody who was already into the Rococo era, when I saw um, Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette, I was sad that there wasn't more boobs because that would have been historically accurate and perfect for that film but But she didn't um, just go for it like she could have because of the mix of rebellious styles in there it would have worked pretty well at least one down that showed some nipple yeah Um, but yeah come on It's like those, right. those chemise al rene like those chemise dresses from later in the 1780s were actually sheer they were sheer and we don't we don't think about that you know yeah anyway so again it was the same thing big hair big earrings everybody wanted to be naked everyone was talking about making the common man more equal to those with more power let's have a revolution right I mean, there was stuff going on in music like mozart was that era is Beatles, kind of, but he was one dude. Anyway, it's just interesting yeah. because, like, I think of how crop tops are just a shirt now. It's not even a bold statement anymore. And I used to think of that as so bold, but when you think about it, it really isn't at all. It's just falls in a straight line with all the stuff and is even in some respects a little modest when you think about it. Right, exactly, exactly. And uh, of course, the first time in the 20th century they came in was the 60s. Yeah, and everybody's doing it now because of a reboot of the 90s. But when you think about yeah. 90s fashion, it was 60s and 70s fashion filtered through 90s aesthetic. That's what 90s fashion was a lot of the time. People doing it now don't realize that. The younger people doing it now don't. It's just clothes. Um, right, it's <laughs> just clothes. And I've I've seen some millennials on like TikTok and stuff kind of feeling upset about like, oh these kids are wearing what I wore in like, I don't know, high school or middle school and they think they discovered it. And I want to be over here like, um, excuse me, <laughs> that was what your mom wore in 1969 or yeah. 1971 and you were stealing it from her. So just shut up. I mean, right. people like you and I and probably pretty much my audience, you know, <laughs> we, we, we are so immersed in various aspects of the past that I guess we would just never think about that. It's a little shocking to hear that point of view almost. But mm-hmm. that said, I'm constantly humbled by things like what you're talking about, these this much further line back into the past. I mean, and 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 you know, and how the 60s combines it in the most brilliant way because of how many things are changing in the world and all that. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. That's one of the things why I like it because as somebody who loves both film and fashion history, yeah. you it was just a good really a decade that was a really great example of how different eras influence fashion, but how one era can kind of change fashion forever because when you think about when we think about youthful clothing, when we think about what cool young people wear just as a through line without attaching it to a certain decade. A lot of, we think about short skirts, bold makeup, blue jeans, lots of let, this is all 60s shit still. This is all stuff that we, that young people started wearing in the 60s and we still associate it with the youth. My kids and their friends, they all look like little Sophia Lorenz and Elizabeth Taylors with the wings. It's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything they really love, 
I could mm-hmm. directly connect it. So yeah, it makes so much sense. Well, right, right. I you have actually, <laughs> I, I could go on about this, but you've given me a lot to unpack. I mean, I, I to just think about as far as going so it was far like, into I the mean, past. Every, every decade changes fashion. Every yeah. decade changes everything. But I'm going yeah. to argue that the 60s forever changed certain concepts about fashion and youth culture that yeah. we're still in and we still haven't left. Like our ideas about how youth is associated with rebellion. Again, actually started in the 20s because flappers, but the 60s right. picked it up, set it on fire and put it in Technicolor so people would watch it later and gave it sound because they didn't have talkies then. So it's like the 60s are imagine if flappers had color movies and talkies. The only reason we're talking about the 60s rather than the 20s is because the 60s were in color. The continuum of it is so fascinating to me. Rachel, thank you so much for coming back. This was a wonderful conversation full of great surprises. And I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, I, I loved being here. I would love to talk to you anytime. Thank you so much for having me. Go to watchingclassicmovies.com for information on how to follow Rachel on Instagram. I appreciate all of you, from longtime followers to those of you who have joined in this season. Thank you for listening. This is Kendall Kruver, watching classic movies. Until next time.